Hello and welcome to CMO Combo, a CMO Alliance podcast where we host insightful conversations with leading CMOs and marketing leaders from around the world. With many companies on the fence about continuing their working from home policies, we're speaking to Amanda Rearson, Head of Marketing at Thumbtack, on the advantages of virtual work and the importance of compassionate leadership to drive success. This episode brought to you by Deep Crawl. Savvy CMOs know that SEO has never been a more important part of their marketing mix. Ranking at the top of Google search results has a direct impact on revenue by lowering customer acquisition costs, but content and keyword optimization is only part of the picture. Following recent search engine updates, your overall website health and technical performance are key to ranking well in 2021 and beyond. With Deepcrawl's all-in-one technical SEO and website health platform, your team will have the tools it needs to track your website's technical performance, improve page ranking, and stay top of mind with customers by staying top of the search results in Google. Join leading brands who already use Deepcrawl, including teams at Adobe, eBay, Twitch, PayPal, Microsoft, and Canva. Visit deepcrawl.com to ensure your brand reaches its full revenue potential through the one initiative most marketing teams overlook, technical SEO. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, well, thank you for being here. Um, it's going to be a great conversation today, um, something that's dear to my heart, and that is leading people in remote environments. I'm a remote worker. I'm very happy with the company I'm with because they've got such good leadership. I'm interested in getting your perspective so we can share it with other CMOs who are thinking about that, that kind of situation. Uh, but before we do get into that, um, maybe you want to introduce yourself, Amanda, tell us a bit about your professional background and, and sort of like what it means to be head of marketing at Thumbtack. Sure, happy to. Um, so I'd say I'm a 20-year-plus marketer, I worked for a variety of brands, um, everything from LA Times to DirecTV, which is a satellite entertainment company, uh, to Yahoo, uh, Farmers Insurance, and now Thumbtack. And, you know, I, I, I'd say what I sort of pride myself most on in my career is I, I love the brands that I've worked for. It's, it's funny, a lot of us sort of former Yahoos talk about bleeding purple. Um, <laughs> it's just, I think it's so important, especially as a marketer, to have heart for the brands that you work for and the companies that you choose to be a part of. Um, so I'd say that's that's definitely followed me on my, my journey um, and, and really had sort of a variety of roles. Again, B2C, B2B, um, led a digital transformation at Farmers. It's, it's been fun to be a part of this industry too, because it's funny, I tell people at the LA Times, like we, we launched latimes.com when I was there, sort of dating myself, but we we're talking <laughs> about, you know, wow, we can actually bundle a banner ad with a newspaper ad. And isn't that sort of progressive? And now we're talking about like the deprecation of cookies and programmatic advertising. And it's just so fun to, to watch what, how it's evolved. Um, and, you know, most recently I've joined Thumbtack as head of marketing and it's so exciting to be part of a company that's truly tech first and um, they've got an amazing mission and the people are wonderful to work with. And um, as head of marketing, I run um, brand advertising, uh, as well as sort of our performance and growth teams and product marketing. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit about uh, what I'm about. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about a bit more specifically about like the structure of your, your marketing department at, um, at Thumbtack. Like how, how is it set up in terms of like remote working? Like how does it yeah. work with like your teams and stuff like that? 
Yeah. So we're remote, just really like a lot of the rest of the planet. Um, and, you know, it's interesting too, because I'm two and a half months in here at Thumbtack. And so the onboarding was completely remote, which you know, I've never, never done before. Yeah, it was um, a first for me at this role. It was, it was in, it's interesting, right? isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's sort of a whole new, it's a whole new world, literally. Um, but I've seen other people sort of in past roles build their brand remotely. And it, it's fascinating and it's doable. Um, but obviously a whole new way of working. So, uh, you know, a lot of Zoom, a lot of getting to know each other that way. Um, and sort of the exciting thing about Thumbtack too is they've really embraced the future of work. Um, and, you know, it, I, when I joined, there wasn't even a location on my offer letter. It was, you know, we're, we're a remote company. And, um, but just the, the flexibility of that, I think is really exciting. And even recruiting talent here and sort of other and other roles over the last couple of years is so exciting that we can go find talent anywhere. You know, yeah, it, it opens yeah. so much up. Um, and what, you know, that's not to say people still do crave that human connection. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we do that safely just so people can sort of form those connections. And it's so important as a leader too. Um, so we're working our way through that, but um, you know, we've, we've set up, I'd, I'd say some tax really well equipped uh, for remote working. And if anything, just the way they're set up with respect to um, sort of collaborative working tools um, and that type of thing. Um, they really had a running start from what I can tell too, before COVID of being able to really succeed um, with the remote workforce. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, the shift was heading that way even before the pandemic, the pandemic just kind of accelerated it. Um, but despite the benefits, despite people talking about being the future of work, there are some people who are still quite resistant to it. And the UK government in particular, like they've recently been pushing hard to get people back into offices, to get people back into their commute, back into the grind, which I'm just like, no way am I going back yeah. to that lifestyle. What do you think are the advantages to this type of way of working? Like beyond just like flexibility and being comfortable and like not having a commute, like what are the advantages to actually operating a marketing department in this way? Yeah. Um, so I agree with you on the commute factor. The only thing I'd say the downside is I have less time for podcasts and uh, <laughs> sort of books uh, on tape, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, you know, I think some of the, there are some pros, you know, other than sort of personal work-life balance, which actually goes both ways, I think, working remotely, right? Like your personal life and work life start to blend and sitting, you know, literally eight hours a day in a chair in front of a computer screen, you know, has its downsides, I think, from a health perspective, as well as just, you know, overall mental health, sort of from a seclusion perspective. Um, but, you know, there are advantages in that, you know, I think there is a little bit more accessibility, to be honest, because when we're all running around, um, you know, you sort of have to uh, schedule time and find a conference room. And now it's literally like you can just jump on a Zoom with, and that that goes for sort of like all levels in the organization. So I've found that accessibility with people, um, if anything, there's been some benefits there because it's literally just pressing a button versus having to sort of track them down in their office. Um, as well as, you know, it does, there's certain things from an inclusivity perspective that I think are helpful um, in that, like before we would have meetings in the, comp you know, there's only so many people that can fit in a conference room and, okay, well, this one will be limited to, to 10 people, a certain meeting. Now it's like 
okay, if, if we're having a certain presentation that I think it'd be great for my team to hear, like anyone can dial in. Zoom rooms are as big as you want them to be. And there's a certain, to me, transparency there of, yeah, sure, come, come and listen. And um, I, I don't know, I've, I've taken advantage of that too, um, where in the past, sometimes I feel like things would be limited just based sort of on capacity and who's in the room. Um, now everyone can be in the room. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity as well for more people to make their voices heard, I'm finding as well, like particularly more introverted voices that might get drowned out in, in like face-to-face meetings. Like having everything done remotely gives people a chance to actually present their ideas. If you've got like a project management system, they can just post like comments, post ideas without right. feeling threatened, feeling like they can be drowned out by more louder voices in the room. Yeah. I mean, now you have chat tools, um, you have, or, you know, at least we have more collaborative sort of working docs where anybody can make comments and have their voice heard really in different ways. I'd say speaking up on Zoom is probably still a challenge for some people, maybe that are a little bit more shy, but now there's just a lot more sort of remote tools um, where people can be heard in different ways. And and I'm also finding my meetings are also a lot more effective. Like we're only having meetings that have to happen rather than like in my previous role, I was at an agency and we'd have meetings about every single decision. Whereas like now we have these one quick sort of agile style meetings. And I think that's the way people are going with this remote work. Yeah, that's, that's true. There's, there's sort of less time for sort of the small talk and I don't know that that can have pros and cons too, because you just want to have time to be human, but uh, yeah, there's a certain there is a certain efficiency. I guess what I found though is now our meetings are being replaced with half hour meetings, and there's two of them instead of one. Um, so I don't know. It's really important that we still give ourselves daylight on our calendar. Um, one sort of tactic I started, which seems so uh, again tactical, but makes a big difference, is start your meetings five minutes after the hour. Like just having those five minutes to like go and take a minute as honestly, as sort of scary as that sounds, little things like that, like remote working, we all just need hacks that allow us to just get up and walk around sadly um, versus running to conference rooms. So speaking of those kinds of things that get you through the day, that's kind of what yeah. the, to- the main topic of this, uh, yeah. of this podcast is. It's about how to be a compassionate leader in a remote setting because you have those. You have the advantage when you're in the room with your team that you can actually see people's faces. You can see them in the morning if they're coming in, they're looking run down, and you can think about how to tackle their emotional well-being. How do you do that in a remote setting? Like, how do you how do you keep track of how people are doing when you're not seeing their faces all the time? Yeah, reading the room is impossible, and being new, uh, a new leader too. I'd I'd say that's been a particular challenge. Um, so, you know, one thing that has worked well for me is um, office hours. Like, how do we sort of make room for one-on-one conversations? And you don't have to necessarily come and talk about work, but rather, again, sort of me being new. Like, I want to hear about where you live. I want to hear about your pets. Um, you know, what are your challenges? How can I make your job easier? So uh, that sort of office hour setting has worked really well, um, as well as just, again, sort of unstructured meetings from time to time of where people can come in and talk about sort of what they're, what they're feeling, what their challenges are. And I'd say just keeping like a really close dialogue with my leaders too, of like, what are you hearing out there? Um, how is the team doing? How's the morale? What can I do? Like as a leader too, sometimes it just doesn't take much. And I think that was a real realization for me, just as I, you know, have grown in the leadership roles is, 
a little goes a long way. So even if you, you know, tell someone like, first of all, send like an email on somebody's birthday, like that does not seem like a big deal. It takes literally, you know, seven seconds, but it sort of makes it, it just sort of makes a difference. Um, or telling people, it's interesting. I, I said in the last job, like, Hey, just go take a walk. Like make sure you just take, take a minute to take a walk around the block. And I kind of set it off the cuff and didn't give it much thought and just sort of kept going. And a few people sort of doubled back and said, like, I really appreciate you saying that. And it, it was like nothing at the time, but it went such a long way. So I think it's just important as leaders that we just take the time to do sort of like little feel good things as well as like make suggestions of like, I hear you, like personal lives are hard too. Um, it's hard to balance it all. So, you know, and, or here's what I'm doing. Like I'm struggling too. Right. Um, I don't know. I've helped that's sort of, I've found that's helps just yeah. from a like, Hey, I'm human and we're all in this together. Cause we, we've kind of seen a bit of a sea change over the last few days where we start thinking more about employee well-being and sort of your coworkers and mental health and stuff yep. in a way that really hasn't been discussed enough no. um, in a lot of industries, particularly when it comes to industries that have major deadlines to hit. They have like crunch is a big part of a lot of the tech industries. Like, why are we seeing that change now? Do you think why are people more focused on it? Like, is it just because we've realized we have to do it or are people just more compassionate now? Do you think? I mean, I do think sort of the last 18 to 20 months has, has helped a lot with that. Um, there has certainly been sort of a surge in mental health awareness, which is fabulous. And by the way, this has been here a long time. It's not a new thing, um, right? I think it's just more, it's becoming less taboo to talk about it and ask for help. And at Thumbtack, there's there's resource groups where people sort of come to the table and talk about it. And even as a leader, like just showing up, and like dropping something in the chat of like, you know, thank you for sharing your stories. Like, it's amazing. I'm seeing those forums pop up, not only where I'm working now, but hearing and seeing them in other companies as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'd say, yes, maybe we are a little bit more compassionate as well as I, th- I feel like we all just have a new perspective now that, you know, is sort of a unintended, um, maybe silver lining of the pandemic of, you know, it's, we've got to take care of each other and this isn't easy. And now that sort of personal lives and work lives are sitting right in front of us all the time, completely blended. Um, there's sort of this realization that we, you know, have to take care of our mental health and our team's mental health and our family's mental health. It's got to come first or else you can't be productive and work in life. Yeah. Particularly in a remote set, setting as well. It's That's got to be right. real, real steps when it comes to mental well-being. You can't get away with saying, oh, oh, we've got a cool office with beanbag chairs where you can relax right. and stuff like that. We've got yeah. a beer fridge where you can chill out on a Friday. You've got to take real actual steps to take care of your employees. Yeah, you can't hide setting. behind the beanbag anymore. No, beanbag's no. gone. That, that <laughs> well, might... hopefully, maybe people have beanbags at home, but... Possibly, yeah, but that, that could be a good title for this podcast. Can't hide behind go. the beanbag anymore. Can't it's always hide great behind to, the beanbag. Yes. Always great talking to marketers because they come out with their <laughs> little nuggets. There you go, there you have it. <laughs> um, so those are sort of like some some steps we've kind of talked about. Do you have as as like a systematic process? Do you think about each day, like, okay, I need to check in with such and such and such. Do you have a plan for like having this sort of like compassionate leadership role? Um, I wouldn't say, I I would love to say it was on a daily basis. um, But, you know, I, I probably am a little more systematic about scheduling office hours on my calendar, like just making sure I'm keeping like an afternoon open, 
shoot a note out to the team and, you know, anyone can come. Um, but then I also schedule one-on-ones with my leaders. Like that's very important. I've always done that. So again, just talking to them on like the pulse of the team and gosh, who should I reach out to? Who might be struggling? Um, again, sort of those simple emails I talked about, um, or even just, you know, sending a Slack of, you know, how are you doing or checking in on a project. Um, so just trying to be present, I'd say less in a systematic way and more organic of, you know, who do I, who do I just want to reach out to? Um, and it goes both ways. Like I hear from the team too. So um, again, with these sort of collaborative channels and, you know, I am or Slack or whatever it is you use, like there's actually more accessibility in a strange way than ever before um, where you can, you know, get someone with a one sentence Slack and they know you're thinking about them. And that certainly has not been present in my whole career. We've been hiding behind conference room and office doors. And now if anything, remotes open things up in a, in a strange way that way. Yeah. It's like people are always contactable. So you can always send those messages. Of yes. call, like even if they're like locked in doing like something very focused, like writing an article or something, they might have the notifications turned off. As soon as they get back, they'll see that message of support waiting right there. Like there's no, oh, sorry, we missed you kind of thing. Like that message of support is there and it's it's almost always there. Like you can reread that message of support when you need it. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it is a double-edged sword though in that, um, you know, some people feel that now they're contactable all the time and you can't like run out and pick your kid up from school because what if you do get a slack from your leader. So we've got to be really careful too, that people don't feel like they have to be, you know, contactable all the time. Um, and that sort of goes for emails too, and sending emails after hours. Uh, I've seen people be really good about, you don't have to respond to this right now. I just happen to be working because it works for my schedule, but feel free to, you know, respond to this in the morning. I've actually seen, and I've seen that on Slack and email, um, that, that people are sort of conscious of that. So there are, it's, there's more accessibility now in a strange way, but we also need to make sure we're drawing those barriers. So people feel like they can mentally check out from work. Yeah. Cause there are some countries where they've actually made it like a legal thing where you can't contact your employees outside of work hours. And oh, is stuff that right? Like that. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think France has, done, France has had it for a few years, even before the, the pandemic and people working from home, they've had wow. it as like, you can't send them, you can't send emails after work hours, which is, maybe a bit too much of a yeah, step, I don't know that you can legislate that well yeah. apparently you can um especially but... when you're in like an international company where right. like what are work hours in, yes. in that respect yeah. yeah I think it's it's so that's impressive and perhaps like one end of the spectrum but just as leaders enforcing that culture where yeah if it happens to work for you where you can send an email after hours like okay but just be be really cognizant of other people's work hours and also sort of spreading this culture too, where you can sort of put that you're, you're off for the night on your Slack or you're with your kids. And um, I've seen a lot of those sort of things pop up as well. But then what about when you do have deadlines to hit that might require overtime? How do you balance that compassion? How do you, how do you still make sure you're getting everything done while yeah. giving people the flexibility? Yeah. I mean, that's inevitable, right? Like you are going to have, you're going to have deadlines. You're going to have certain days where you push in, you know, it, the whole thing is sort of managing that. Um, and I think when you sort of build up this goodwill too with your with your employees that, you know, this is flexible. We're all adults here. Like go manage your job. Like 
hit your targets and um, I trust you. Like there's, there's this whole sort of environment of trust now with remote working um, more than ever before. But look, I mean, with deadlines, the best thing we can do as leaders is give our teams the right heads up that they're coming and they need to manage, you know, we all need to manage our time in order to hit those deadlines. And every once in a while, yes, you are going to have a little bit later of a day or earlier of a day, but that's not different from like, we've had that our whole careers. Right. So um, I'd say that's almost like agnostic to the pandemic and remote working. That's as a leader of just sort of managing deadlines, managing your teams, you know, trying to give them a, again, sort of appropriate lead time and look 5% of the time, that's not going to happen. And it's just part of, it's just part of life. And it's sort of managing of, you know, I've been on, you know, 7.30 PM calls with staff, not that often, but you just acknowledge like, Hey, I know this, I know this is tough. Let's make this quick. Like people are putting kids down and making dinner. And I think just acknowledging too, like, Hey, I'm in this boat with you. Let's get this done. And so you can go back to what you need to be doing, but acknowledging sometimes like, Hey, I know this is, this is late night. Um, and let's get through it. And it's not every day. It, it, it's interesting you mentioned trust. Cause I think one thing's like the last like 18 months has really proved is that people can be trusted to manage their own workloads. Like people were, people were incensed when we've, they first announced like the shift to working from like, how are people going to get done? How do we trust employees to actually do yeah. the work without a manager staring down their back? Um, do you think we're sort of seeing the end of like a managerial role? Like people can be more self-managed when it comes to the, like we'll still have like heads of departments and stuff like steering the boat, but in terms of having those, that sort of like managerial role, like it's sitting in between leader and employees, are we going to see sort of the end of that? Do you think? Yeah, I don't, I feel like we've already seen the, the end of it. Like the end of the managerial role was, I don't know, years ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so in the UK. We're a bit behind. Still, We're a bit behind. Okay, but maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I sort of imagine like these assembly lines. Like I don't know. That's I don't know that that's the world we live in. And if there's a manager that's sort of staring down their employees back, like I bet you that employee is not at that company anymore. Everyone wants to be trusted, and everyone wants to be valued. And if um, so, yes, I think I think the the pandemic and working at home is sort of you know, probably accelerated those trends a little bit of, you know, even working from home before it was like, okay, I got to make sure I'm in a quiet place. Like I, you know, I'm not putting my video on and I'm on the phone today on a Friday. Cause I had a dentist appointment, like that is gone. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I, I would say yes, that sort of the old, the old manager, like that persona is, is sort of dead. And if it wasn't dead already, like it certainly is now. And managers roles in my mind is all about, again, setting that vision and what does success look like and empowering your employees to get there however they see fit. Now it's almost, you know, magnified in that you're, you're physically figuring out how to get there. However you see fit to, um, sort of from home, you're not, you know, face to face. And if anything, it sort of accelerates that trend, or at least the type of manager, I think people want to work for of, I trust you get it done. And my job is to be here to clear the brush for you virtually or non-virtually. Um, and as long as we agree on together, what success look like, and we're aligned on the vision, um, empower your team to get there however they need to in their 
professional lives and however they need to work in personal, like I trust you and you'll get it done. Awesome. So is there any kind of like measurability that you take with like employee well-being? Like, do you, t- do you have any kind of like scales that you look at in terms of like how people are performing based on sort of like a compassionate status in terms of like their emotional well-being? Yeah, um, I think it's really because there's so much subjectivity in that. Um, so I don't I don't say there's scales necessarily, but what I've seen done well is sort of employee NPS scores and surveys of sort of the promoter detractor scale. And that can be built, I think, a lot on sort of, you know, overall, how do you feel about your job and and your your goals? But also it also speaks to sort of the compassionate environment. How much do I feel trusted and valued and sort of the soft skills? So um, I've seen those sort of anonymous surveys work well. And then you can look at verbatims and just try and and look at trends, but those are hard too, because, you know, people can be reluctant to share. So yeah, I I don't know that there's necessarily a survey or a scale that can measure compassion, to be honest, other Mm -hmm. than like, are my employees staying with me and hitting their goals and sort of seem to be connecting on a personal level or tell you what you don't want to know? Then, you know, that's, that's to me sort of how I... (laughs) (laughs) how I measure it, but I guess that's subjective. And if you have any tips, I am all ears. (laughs) It's it's just because as I said, like the UK government is pushing hard to get people back into offices. And I'm sure there are a lot of other, in other countries, a lot of CMOs and heads of marketing are under pressure to get their teams back into office situations. Um, So like a lot of times maybe you do need like these kinds of like measurability scales to show the advantage of it. Maybe that's something we need. We need to come up with at the CMO Alliance so we can uh, we can spread the word in that in that respect. Yeah, um, and surveys are helpful, right? Of like, how many days would you go back in the office? Like, do you feel safe? Like, that's a thing. There's there's sort of this like safety and health right risk on top of it, and everyone's tolerance is so different. Um, it's really hard to sort of put that on a put that on a measurable scale. Well, especially if you've like if you've uprooted your life because you thought the remote working was going to last forever and now suddenly you're being told that, oh, you need to move back to a very expensive city. You need to move back into an environment that you weren't necessarily happy with. Are you going to stay with that company? Like, no, you probably look for a company that's going to allow you to continue the lifestyle that you're happy with rather than, yeah. yeah, Like you you don't want to live to, you don't want to live to work. You want to work to live at the end of the day. That's right. That's absolutely right. I think that's something we've all recognized in the last year. Like, I think people are more aware of how they're being treated by their employers and people are more, more willing to speak up and look elsewhere if they need to be. Like, they've had to change their lives completely because of the pandemic, because of circumstances beyond their control. Why not start taking control of things in their lives? And that's yep. something that leaders need to recognize. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And um, people need to be, or are just being more proactive about what makes them happy. And that sort of brings us back to that mental health conversation too, of like, okay, how as leaders, can we be proactive about the real issues facing our employees? And I think over time, frankly, the market will dictate how, um, you know, companies sort of manage the remote working because you're right. Like people aren't going to stand for it. And frankly, a lot of people are leaving jobs now with no other job to go to because it's that important to them to sort of figure out where they land. And that's sort of been unheard of in the past. Like you, 
you have another job when you quit your job, but people are putting sort of mental health and personal lives first. And, um, you know, the job will come second. And that's just that's such an interesting shift that I think we have to pay attention to. And I think it goes back to what you were saying when you were talking about sort of your, your professional background, about how you, you love the brands that you've worked for. As a marketer, if you love the company you work for, you love the brands you work for, you're going to do better work at the end of the day. You're going to produce more creative ideas. You're going to have better ideas about how to advance the brand because you care yeah. about it. You want to see it advance. You're not just sitting there plugging away on the machine. Like you want to be better. You want to do better. I think that's absolutely right. Like it, it, it truly does sort of get you out of bed in the morning. Um, and if you don't have sort of that affinity or um, relationship with that company or that brand, it'd be a lot harder to do your work. It would feel colder. So yeah, that, that right there, there's, there's some measurability right there. If we can find right. some way of like scoring employee performance with employee happiness, then that is some measurable stats we can share with people. Oh, I like it. Yeah. All right. Mm, that might be something to work on a report. I for know, the right? We've, we've, yeah. <laughs> and a white paper was born. Yes, definitely. Well, that uh, maybe another title for this podcast. You'll, there you'll we follow go. them today, Amanda. Very good. Yeah, okay, good, good. <laughs> so we, uh, so I think we've, we've given a good snapshot of the importance of compassionate leadership. Is there sort of like a golden rule that you follow when it comes to it? So it's to sum things up for our listeners right here. Yeah, um, for compassionate leadership. So look, I mean, relationships fuel me. Um, someone said once, I think it was like a salesperson and I want to say it was like a Yahoo offsite or something. He said like relationships are your currency. And he was sort of talking to salespeople, but I've always that does sound like that's a sales thing. That does totally. Sound like right. Thing, yeah. But I was like, it, <laughs> he also said something about like, God, I would like run through a wall for my team. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so fired up. I want to try and run through a wall, but like, there was something about that of like, to me, relationships are everything um, in being able to sort of push, push business forward, push agenda forward and forming those relationships. Like it's really, it's the long game. And I've been at companies like six, eight years when I sort of take a job, I'm like in it, I'm in it to win it. Um, But I go deep on the brand and deep on the job. And it's all about, you've got to have relationships where people want to work with you, work for you. Um, and that, that doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quick. So I think just sort of focusing on that and the people and like what, what fuels the people around you is just so important to understand that. And when you can't read the room, man, it makes it even harder. So you have to sort of go about it in different ways, but, um, I don't know, that's sort of just that, guiding principle, albeit from a salesperson, they sold me on it, um, <laughs> that, you know, relationships are your currency. Another thing, just like a guiding principle too, and I guess this is a little less soft than compassion, but you could sort of, in, in, you know, make, draw the connection is a really good manager manages himself out of a job in a year. And that means that you're empowering your people too, um, that they could, and it's scary. Don't get me wrong. It's like no net, right? Like <laughs> that's sort of the antithesis of, uh, job safety, but, um, or job security, but I don't know. I, I feel like it really empowers your team. And like, how do you just think thoughtfully about what can I empower people around me to do that may be on my desk, but makes them feel like they've got broader sc- scope, um, it will ultimately, I think, just give um, 
overall job satisfaction and retention and if anything can help with mental health too, like all these worlds are blurring, right? If you feel like you have accountability and your sphere of influence is growing and that you're trusted and you're valued to take on more, um, you know, it all sort of works together, I think. From, from awesome. Yeah. I, think, I think it's great advice for leaders, but also just yep. the life in general, like for how you treat your relationships with friends, yeah. family, everything. Like, yeah, that's right. It's all, it's all, sort of one, you know, it's, it's the people we surround ourselves with work and life. And yeah, those principles aren't necessarily like in just the work box or the life box. Um, so yeah, I don't awesome. know that I have it perfect, but those are things that I try and help, you know, things that guide me. Well, let's, let's hope it, it helps and guides our audience as well. Cause I'm sure they found some really interesting stuff today. I found the, our conversation very interesting. Um, so yeah, that wraps it up for compassionate leadership. Well, it doesn't wrap it up. It's going to be an ongoing conversation for years. <laughs> but I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this. And thank you for joining us today, Amanda. And we'll be back soon with more CMO Combos. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.